0: They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. Congratulations, everyone out there. Kansas Week is behind us. We don't have to think about the Kansas Jayhawks for 365 more days and randy i have to be honest i wasn't thinking about the kansas jayhawks for more than 12 hours as my hometown uh underdog las vegas raiders uh did did their best to to put me through the ringer and give me a heart attack today on on this sunday that we're recording so uh the kansas game not going to stick with many people
1: no no it's not and i think the nfl games today in general were better than the kansas game a lot of things were better than the kansas game and you know it's kind of funny i heard a lot of people go Oh, uh, you know, I was seeing like, I was outside watching the game on TV. I, w- I was down on campus corner. And my wife runs a sports collectible store and they set up a booth. there. Right. So I kind of, I kind of watched the game a lot of times from out there and I'm watching it. And I'm busy working some things too. But then you see people going, God, this team doesn't look good. They're struggling. They're not that good. Talking about OU. And I'll admit, I went back and watched it a second time where I could concentrate. And Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they played great, but all that happened was, Ryan, they sleptwalked through the first quarter. They got out to the lead. It was really easy for them. And the offense, it seemed like, kind of went into cruise control. And I thought the announcers made some points today. They were trying to do a lot of stuff that I think if they were trying to go out and win the game because they were playing a competitive opponent, they would have done some different play calling. They were working on their passing game, Ryan. They they weren't working on the running game. I mean, the way they were dominating Kansas on the offensive line, I think Riley knew if somehow some way this gets into trouble, we're going to give Stevenson the ball twenty five times, and we're going to oh, score yeah. sixty five points. I mean, so people that are criticizing, wake up. I mean, because what blows my mind too is they gave up ten points in the game.
0: Yeah, and, and seven on the last. Play. Yeah, and it's like one of those you know sixty two to nine final news flash. If you didn't watch the game of that. Uh, Six of them were a touchdown in the last play of the game. They didn't have to kick the extra point because obviously it's 62 to nine at that point. The extra points not needed. And and I think it's very apparent, Randy, that that they were working on just everything they wanted to to get actual reps on in a game before the big bedlam game. Because Roger Stevenson, he only had 11 carries. He averaged nine and a half yards per carry. If this was like if this was a game, if that was a real live opponent on the other side of the field, Ramondre Stevenson's getting more than eleven carries. I know that he paced the team with four receptions as well. But like Ramon Stevenson's getting the ball twenty times. this is an actual game. and and I think on top of, you know, kind of sleepwalking in that initial bit, which, okay, um also threw that little interception, which it sounds like. Lincoln kind of put a little bit on Jeremiah Hall, a little bit on Spencer of a miscommunication there. But other than that turnover, yes, they were sleepwalking. But Randy, I I think people have to remember this was as like disjoint a first quarter as I can remember. There were tons of reviews, the turnovers, which uh, it's a good thing that we're going to talk about here. But just the wild nature of one of them, it it really made for a game that as soon as it was kicked off, I literally tweeted, uh, you know, I'm projecting that Oklahoma will beat Kansas. So I was waiting on CNN to call it and I was ready to throw it over to our good friend Brady Trantham at the magic wall as soon as the game concluded for the full breakdown. But like, as soon as it kicked off, you knew who was going to win the game. Y- you pile on that. It took almost two hours to get through that first half because of all the reviews and random just stoppages like this game had no flow. And so it's a lot to ask of any team. I feel like to be locked in on playing Kansas when the game has no flow and you're obviously working on other things for Bedlam. <laughs> no doubt. And, and
1: I think that's why I give it up to the team with how they play. I thought in a lot of ways they play good. And where I'm going to concentrate on is on the defensive side of the ball. We knew going in, I mean, we said it last week that their offense is awful. But even an awful offense, how many times over the last several years have we seen Oklahoma give up 28, 31 points to an awful offense? They set a school record for sacks yesterday. The defensive backfield, even against bad teams, which they've done in the past and years past, earlier this year against bad teams, gave up big plays in the passing game. They did none of that stuff yesterday. And what was great and what I liked about the performance of the game yesterday, you started to see a few more guys trickle in there. Yeah, maybe they don't play a lot this year, but it's again, it's about, to me, this was one of those games where, This is a chance to get some playing time for some guys that we may not see the rest of this season, unless they have another blowout. Right. But they're going to be contributors next year. So it was one of those games where let's see how some of these young kids get in there and contribute and make an effect on this game. And a guy that I think you may see some later this year. I mean, look at what Reggie Grimes did yesterday. He played pretty dang well getting in there, you know, and, and making some plays look at Ronnie Perkins. I mean, Yeah, he's in physical shape and everything, but it's only a second game back. He was all over the place. So, I mean, those are the things I think when you're watching one of these games, no one can ever break down. I don't think the film would be too critical one way or the other, unless you're in a nail biter. Then you can be critical. But this game, you're just looking for those little things that you can concentrate on certain players. Jaden Hazelwood getting back in, you know, those type of things.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things like in the Hazelwood situation. Sherry sure, wasn't really worked in as a focal point of the offense. But if he's ready to go, that's a guy you want on the field. You, you know what kind of playmaking ability he has. And you don't want his first live action, his first contact to be in that bedlam game. That's going to mean so much. But like you said, Randy, you just go down the line. Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, lights out. Well, guess what? A, a guy like Marcus Stripling got in there. He was able to to add some some tackles for loss uh ellison got in there added half tackle for loss we saw brennan walker you know shane witter you know guys that are going to be the core of that front seven outside of the isaiah thomas's the ronnie perkins uh the Perion winfrey and it's one of those things that you see those guys get out there and and start producing it's like alex grinch will tell us that the best way to develop is to get live game snaps to put film on tape and or tape on film or whatever the right way to do that i is. get you i get you whatever it is you know it, that that's the best way to do it and talk about on top of that nick benito finally had uh i don't know if you want to label this as breakout game with three sacks there i think we have to give a lot of credit to our friend keegan renault like he's been on this nick benito train since like what kansas state and he's finally yeah. getting out there and getting the production he's he's been a headache to deal with all season long but today he or Saturday, he finally got out there three sacks and and was looking good. So it's just we continue to harp on this defensive front, but not just the starters who have come on strong. Mm -hmm. And then the emergence of a guy like Isaiah Thomas or, you know, Perry on Winfrey's development. Now you've got a Nick Benito. And then you start talking about all this depth that's thrown in there. Like you just start to circle that Bedlam game in particular, because it's going to be so huge for OU's Big 12 title aspirations. And you start going how is that offensive line going to block this front? Because th- this defensive front is just a menace.
1: And and exactly. And going back to that defensive line, I've been saying it might be the best defensive line in the Big 12. Again, we have to preface always that Kansas isn't great. But think of the pressure they got yesterday. Record for sacks. The majority of that pressure, if not all of it throughout that game, Ryan, was on four-man fronts. They weren't having to do any stunts and blitzing to get pressure like they've had in years past. And that was with, like you say, 2D, 3D. And so those are things, again, not playing a great offensive line, but those are things they weren't doing even against going, going against bad offensive lines in the past. you know. So those are reasons you can look and go, those are momentum builders. Those are things this defensive line group in a bye week can build off when they're going in towards Bedlam. Because, I mean, we saw yesterday. I, I, yesterday was kind of the final thing with what happened in the Big Twelve. For the most part, now went out and you're going to the Big Twelve title game. Right? The question is your opponent.
0: Yeah, and for sure, and it's one of those things that I know that Kansas is a, is a step beyond everyone else. Like they are, they are not just a bad football team; they're an awful football team. But it's also not like you look down Oklahoma's schedule, who they've got left: OSU. That offensive line scare anyone? No. West Virginia, Baylor, those guys. So, like, you you have a, an elite unit in the defensive line that is going to be feasting on bad offensive lines the rest of the season. It's not like there's a good unit left they have to play. Like, the, the best unit they'll probably play is in whatever bowl game the Sooners end up in. And and you saw it, it gives the ability for this secondary to to throw an extra body on the field and, and try to cover. And when you see, look, I get it. It's not great play. Um, You know, Davis out there, the... The uh, quarterback, poor guy for Kansas, by the way. Shout out to him. He was, or Daniels, not Davis. Who am I talking about? Jaden Davis. Yeah, and, uh, I knew, yeah, yeah, Daniels, the Kansas quarterback. Shout out to him. He's doing his best. The guy just turned 17 years old. He was starting game, or 18 years old. He was starting games as a 17-year-old this year. He, he's trying. But uh, you saw Trey Brown come up with a big interception. Buki had his huge interception turn just perfect encapsulation of the Buki Radley Hiles experience like the the Sooners defense is forcing turnovers and this is not a defense that was forcing turnovers against the worst teams
1: no no doubt and and what's funny about the Buki thing I feel bad for the kid a little because he played a good game yesterday in a lot of ways you know and and that turnover where he got it and and ran it back you know what that's not a fumble on his part yeah, well, yeah it knocked the ball out from
0: out of bounds i mean he still so, should have protected it not a defense so so lincoln actually went over this in the post game he said that he a that he had never seen a play like that but the officials were very clear to him that if you're standing out of bounds you can force the fumble because you are Seriously. not because con- so the the ball is considered in play when the person with possession of the ball is in play so since Buki at that point was in play The ball is considered live, so you can rip it. You just can't take possession of it. Now, where this gets murky is that then at at one point after the fumble, Buki was laying out of bounds and touched the ball like that should have killed the ball, should have just been dead Mm. right there. And everyone goes home and says, hold on to the ball better next time. But good play. So it it was a wild, you know, uh, occurrence. And of course, it gave the Big 12 officials a chance to shine and review something for 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, no, hey, we can get into reviews a little later on in this podcast. But, yeah, that that's kind of one of the things, like you mentioned, the flow of the game. But, you know, one thing I want to take out of this game when not looking ahead, but just what we can use out of the Kansas game when we, as media, sit here and look at it and talk about going forward. One thing, Buki was a spy on Daniel as quarterback. And next, guess what? Next guy they play, he, he's very mobile, yeah. Sanders, you know. Maybe we saw a little bit of what they'll do with Spencer Sanders, you know, where he's not a full-fledged spy, but he kind of followed along while doing pass coverage. And as soon as the quarterback decided to run, Buki went up and made plays, and he did a good job of that yesterday. And again, Daniels knows Spencer Sanders. He's, like you say, a guy that was 17, so he's young. But it's at least some practice, instead of going against a scout team, that Oklahoma got a little against a mobile quarterback.
0: Right. And, and another thing again not to jump too far ahead is we know that Tylan Wallace is going to be a nightmare for everyone that he plays. If he's healthy, um Trey Brown has played really well the last couple of weeks, but he's not faced anything like Tylan Wallace. If this defensive line in a 4-man front or, you know, bare front or, you know, just bring in five guys, anything like that. If this defensive line can create this kind of pressure, that's going to afford Oklahoma the opportunity to not just Roll Trey Brown out on Tyland Wallace, sit a safety on top of him and, and maybe even have someone in the middle of the field, depending on if, if OSU is having to feel like they can do they uh, need to be in max protect all, you know, the whole game to, to keep Spencer Sanders off his back. You know, that um, just luxury by that defensive line might be the key in you're not going to stop Tylen Wallace, but making sure that he doesn't just go nuclear and absolutely kill your chances at a Big 12 championship.
1: Yeah, no. And and I think that's what you're looking to do. And you mentioned it. Not only does it give you the ability because of that pass rush, but I think no matter who your opponent is, this defensive backfield,
0: I mean,
1: let's be real. They had to be having some PTSD from some of these past games. And all of a sudden, yes, three, four games doesn't make everything disappear from your past, but they're playing with a little bit of confidence. Look at the way on that interception by Trey Brown where he broke on it and made the play instead of almost like, it seems like in the past, last few weeks, the first few weeks of the season, you know, when they were making a play, they were breaking on it, but they were also worried about getting beat. Right Now it's more like, hey, we're just going to go make the play. So that that's the other thing that I, I took out of this game because I thought besides injuries, when we talked about what did you want to see or not see out of the game, it was one of those the defensive backfield struggling at all because you don't need those bad memories to start seeping in because OSU's receiving core, we bring up Tylen Wallace, but their receiving core is pretty solid all the way around. So if all of a sudden you're hanging your head, even after a bye week going into a game against Oklahoma state, it's going to be a full fledged shootout at that point. In time, in
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Randy, you mentioned injuries there. Let's get into it really quick. Um, The moment that made everyone gasp a little bit in the second quarter, Spencer Rattler. Yes, yes, Spencer Rattler, he's going in to the end zone. It looks like he could just put the juke on the poor Kansas Jayhawk and walk in. Instead, young Rattler decides this is the moment he is going to make a statement to the college football world by clowning the Kansas Jayhawks. He tries to lay a lick. And unfortunately for him, he has a little hit pointer. It, it turns out, I'm told on the broadcast, we got full booty coverage of Spencer Rattler. Thank courtesy of ESPN. We got we got one whole butt cheek as they were looking I it did out. Not, luckily, I was past 40 and I didn't have to see that. Yeah, I, uh, I got a few texts from the stands and was like, oh, interesting. In uh, SFW, thank you very much. But um, look, Spencer Rattler after the game, Spencer Rattler said it was just a bruise. Lincoln Riley said that he was cleared. And that had it not been, you know, a game that was out of hand, he could have gone back. But I mean, Randy um, Spencer Rattler was obviously uh, he missed that first drive afterward. When he came back, he didn't look right. He wasn't able to drive his throws. um, Wasn't able to put anything behind him on that reverse. When uh, he was out there as the, quote, lead blocker, he did not look. He didn't even give it the good college. You know, I'm going to run upfield and try to get in someone's way. He was like hobbling. And it was the please nobody touch me. Like Spencer Alley did not look right. But like we said, um, Spencer said it was just a bruise. Lincoln said he'll be OK. Lincoln also noted that, you know, he brought him back in out in the second half. Not sure why, but he brought him back out there for a drive or two. And it looked like he was able to get it to loosen up and, and play through it. So it's not something that we think is going to harm Oklahoma heading into a bye week and bed on the other side. But it was nerve wracking to see Tanner Mordecai check in with, with uh, you know, no other indication of, of why that was happening there in the second quarter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt.
0: I mean, and I saw
1: the throw cause I,
0: again, I was watching
1: on TV live, you know, and that was one of the few plays I saw live when I'm watching the game and I was like, Oh, cause as soon as he threw it, he kind of grabbed his hip and started pointing and, and you did get a little worried cause Hey, Mordecai's is a good quarterback, but this team is totally different without Spencer Rattler at the helm running the show. And so you see that. And I get what Riley's saying. And he took a lot of criticism. The TV announcers kind of gave him a little bit of a grief for, you know, bringing Rattler out. Because, I mean, they saw what we all saw. It's not a good Kansas team. And I get, we've said this kid needs to get as many snaps. He hasn't gotten that many snaps in college when you think about it, you know, and everything. So I get wanting him to play a whole half. But I I just really couldn't figure out why he came back in the second half. Especially the second series. Like the first series, maybe to just go. Hey, I want you to go out there and see how it feels. You know, how are you doing? But I'm like, why risk it? Because of the fact of what you were saying, like on that reverse, when he's running, he's kind of running down the field to make the block, but he almost looks like an old man the way he's running, you know, and not able to get, not able to get in front of the young whippersnappers to make the block, you know? And I'm like, why are you even doing this? What, 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 what is there to gain? I guess is what I couldn't figure out at that point in time. And it's not a full fledged criticism, but it was just kind of one of those wow, what happens if a Kansas player that's getting his butt kicked right now just wants to take a shot at Spencer Rattler? Because he's yeah, mad only, about the situation.
0: The only thing I can think of is that both Lincoln Riley and Les Miles had pulled their money together and laid basically the entirety of their season's contract on OU to cover the 38. They both wanted to make up that money that they had to take the little haircut there uh, due to you know COVID, stuff like that. Because if you take that, you pair it with less miles going forward on fourth down in just bizarre yeah. situations, which oh. like we can talk about, we can talk about that here in a second, but yeah, I, I don't understand why bring Spencer Rattler maybe back in once he's cleared. And, and at the end of the first half, see how the guy's going to work through it. Cause I mean, I don't know, is there value in, in seeing how he can play through an injury? I, I feel like it's one of those things that, uh, you know, he's taken some hits this year already. He's, he's proven that he's tough enough to, to get with it. I would rather him not take those shots now and, and if you have to work with that I would rather it be in a big game. There's no reason why you couldn't have just given Mordecai the entire third quarter and you know into the fourth quarter if you wanted to just hand it over the fourth quarter to Chandler Morris because there there was no reason for Spencer Rattler to be out there. If they wanted to sow the game, if that's what they were worried about, mm-hmm. Roger Stevenson would have had more than 11 carries. Yeah. I mean, I mean,
1: and even if you're jokingly, I know you're joking, but if anyone's worried about the spread. Look at it. Ramon Dave Stevenson had over 100 yards on 11 carries. He almost had 200 yards of total offense, you know. So, yeah, there were so many things. I that was just kind of the head scratcher to me because of the fact on the other side on the injury Austin Stogner, you know, I mean, doesn't he he's not as wincing as much as Spencer is. Right. He goes back to the locker room to start the third quarter. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm like I was like watching it going. Okay, why is
0: this is not adding up. This is yeah, not like,
1: one plus one equals two. What, what is going on in my world right here?
0: Yeah, it's like, what is happening? What is happening? We we, were, we weren't able to uh, ask about Stogner there in the kind of limited, um, the much shorter media window that we get after the game. There was other stuff we were getting to. So hopefully we'll circle back on Tuesday as I try to get my days together to, to worry about Stogner. But just a, a quick note on Ramondra Stevenson. Look, Randy, we can talk about how good he looks. We can talk about the difference he makes to this offense. We can get all of that in a second. But first, I need to submit Ramondre Stevenson into a, a very elite group. I think that he is a top five touchdown celebrator in college football right now it's a two-week run but I'm willing to put him up there last week obviously he had the I'm back shirt ready to roll not just Sharpie on mind you it was screen printed it mm-hmm. was official it was clear um intelligent enough to wait until the game was out of hand today on his I believe it's his uh second touchdown run he he scored right in front of where I was sitting and right. just so short and simple he just looks up and blows a kiss to the fans and it was beautiful it was concise and I feel like not only it's a guy who's confident in himself but understands that he doesn't need to overdo it and and I think that we need to put him in that top five group and I'm I'm just can't wait to see what he pulls out against Oklahoma State
1: oh I think he'll have a lot of fun in that game because if there's one guy that's going to get yards and I know issues defense has is improved as well Ramondre Stevenson is going to get some carries and get some touchdowns. So I, I think it should be a lot of fun. But the one thing I want to see out of Ramondre Stevenson, stop trying to hurdle guys. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Because I believe wasn't that the time in the Kansas game when he jumped up into the guy and basically uh, slammed to the ground was after Rattler got hurt. I'm like, what? Keep your butt on the ground.
0: Yeah, this just, is not, not, not necessary."
1: You're in a blowout game, so yeah, he he's a fun back to watch, and like you say, the celebrations, and then that one, I'm like,
0: dude, no, don't, just what? stop. And nothing against Ramondre; he's he's an impressive back. He's got. Um, You know, he's a little shorter, but it, and so he gets that kind of bowling ball stockier kind of thing. I don't see it. I, I think he's just, a, you know, a, a bigger frame guy, but he's got the speed, got the agility. He's got great hands. Flash that one handed catch there that looked just mm-hmm. effortless was awesome. But when you've got that, you know, combo of size, speed, agility, where you can spin out of tackles or run over guys, there's no need to leave your feet. I do not ever want to see Ramondra Stevenson hurtling anyone um like again nothing against Ramondre, but you can do without that yeah especially the two times he did it the one against texas
1: tech even if he clears the guy he's gonna get what one two more yards
0: yeah the one against
1: kansas he's going out of bounds i'm like dude it's not like if you hurdle this guy you're going on an 80 yard touchdown run yeah i i think is Ramondre
0: stevenson bored already like is two games back is he just bored
1: I don't know, but I know this much. I keep saying with him, and I've said, hey, he might, you know, I think he's probably gone because he's a second-round back. You have to be special to be a first-round guy. God, if he keeps performing at this level, there might be a team, that Kansas City-type team, at the end of the first round that goes, you know what? Our back's a little older. Uh, We need a replacement. That guy's got what the NFL needs. He can catch. He's got power. He's got speed. I still don't think he is. I'm just saying, God, you just watch him and you
0: think, I can see him on Sundays. It's uh, hard not to overreact, but it, in two games, albeit against two really bad football teams, both Texas Tech and Kansas, it doesn't look like Ramajo Stevenson or Ronnie Perkins need another year of college football. I don't know if they want to put up with another year of college football after all that they've gone through this season. Like it, It's going to take a lot of convincing, I feel like, to, to bring those two guys uh, back to Norman next year.
1: I think that I, I think for Stevenson more than Perkins, and, and the reason I say that, just simple the upside to a running back, you pretty much have to, it seems like, go in a Heisman Trophy or be that 2,000 yard recon setter back, you know, almost to be that first round guy or play on a national t- championship team like Clyde Edward was, you know, and he still went the last pick of the first round. A defensive end, Ronnie Perkins, he's doing, he's played great, don't get me wrong. But it's not like he's got those earth-shattering numbers, you know, like sack total or anything like that from this year. You know, I could see him going, uh, oh, I'd be a second round, third round pick. Maybe I will come back because if I get a full 12 games in, especially if the defensive line continues to improve, where all of a sudden they can't concentrate on me as much, I'm going to be a first rounder next year. Well, and all uh... of a sudden that's about an $8 million difference in a contract.
0: Yeah, that that'll be I think that'll be the pitch by uh, Calvin Thibodeau, Jamar Kane, Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley. I think they get the whole panel in there and and sit down both Perron Winfrey and Ronnie Perkins and say, hey, look, guys, this was a lot of fun the last couple of games. Right mm-hmm. now, imagine a whole <laughs> season of this. Plus, you're bringing back Isaiah Thomas. Plus, you're bringing back Nick Minuto, all this stuff like you guys could make each other millions and millions of dollars if you do this for one more year. And you're totally right, Randy, about the running back thing cuz I mean like look, just look at Chuba Hubbard. He's the back in this conference. He was one of the premier guys last year and he's I think he's played himself down another round. He's only oh, got yeah. 581 yards this season, averaging 4.6 yards a carry, under 100 a game, and I feel like Randy there's a guy every year. I remember what Bryce Love was the last big one that uh mm-hmm. was incredible probably you know uh up there for a heisman trophy and then where is he now yeah one year probably, too many in college. probably in med school like you know it's it's just one of those things that it's just the nature of the running back position it doesn't matter if you're a second third fourth round guy like if you're if you're an nfl guy get there as fast as possible because you've only got a certain number of years only a certain number of carries in you in that league but uh it's just really unfortunate but um, I, you know, again, he was flashing off the hands there. That was the only thing I was maybe, um, a little disappointed in. Randy was was the Oklahoma wide receiving core in this game. I felt like this was a unit that I wish had broken off one or two more just huge gains going up against you know a, a, a less than Kansas secondary.
1: And, and I'll agree with you there, but I don't know if the offense they ran Saturday called for that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I I don't know if the routes they were running were the big deep passes and and the big plays out of the receiving core. What I was disappointed in is it's kind of the bugaboo, even out of the last three weeks. It's gotten better and better, and it wasn't bad yesterday. But out of the receiving core, there were still some of those drops where you're like, man, you know these are hitting you in the hands. It's not like it's it's a drop and you were having to make this circus catch, like the one drop touchdown for Theo Weiss in the end zone.
0: Another, I mean, which is another one how many how many times yeah. have we had that conversation this year randy three now?
1: yeah, at least i mean you you look at that that was one. I mean, there were a couple others Stogner had a drop third down conversion that hit him right in the hands, you know, and so those those are the little concerns because whether it's Oklahoma State, whether it's Baylor, whether it's you know West Virginia on the road or their bowl opponent, those could be vital moments where. You're not going to win the game sixty-two to ten or sixty-two to nine like yesterday. You're in a four-point game, three-point game, and that's the difference between you winning the game and losing the game. And so, yeah, I know you're not going to catch every ball in your career, but the ones that are right on your hands, just right there, just yeah.
0: Well, and it's and it's not like you're. It'd be different if maybe it were like a guy, the the build of Drake Stoops or something like that, that you're saying, OK, you know, he, he's working. He's a tad undersized. He's working hard. Great route running, which awesome tip drill reception there by right. Drake Stoops. A couple of great catches by him. Um, and I'm not picking on Drake for anything other than just saying he's a smaller guy. When you compare it to the body of a Theo Weiss or an Austin Stogger, like these are guys that should be sealing off corners, sealing off linebackers and safeties, getting in position. And going up and just getting the ball, especially Austin Stogger, like that's been the only thing I've really been disappointed by him is that I think that he's dropped one too many. I don't know if drop is the right word, but he's not won enough competitive battles over the middle of the field for me. And it's, I think it's also one of the things that it's kind of papered over because the last couple of years. Yeah. When Calcaterra is coming on, you've also got a CD lamb and a Marquise Brown making plays so that, you know, we kind of forget about that stuff, but it's a bunch of young guys all trying to break through at once and, not one of them has really shown that they can be incredibly a hundred percent that magnet on a third down or, or anything like that in a big game yet
1: no no i fully agree with you and, and you know as much as we rave on marvin mims you know as a freshman he he ties the freshman record yesterday for touchdowns in a single season he's had that same problem i mean there's a reason he kind of disappeared in the game last week he had that big drop deep pass and so that That's a little thing you worry about with this receiving core, just because I, I don't know if maybe it's the talent in that room, and, and this is not an excuse for them, but everyone's trying to truly excel because they realize, hey, if we don't step up, Jaden Hazelwood's back. And Hazelwood realizes if I don't catch balls, Theo Weiss has established himself this year. You still got Charleston Rambo. I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, if you've dropped them in some years in the past, they've had that one great receiver in C.D. Lamb and a couple of good ones to go with it. There's, there's what, six, seven guys that can, Yeah. Catch. all right, you don't want to catch them? Guess what? Put me in, coach. I got it. I got yeah, it. I got like, it. Don't worry about it. You, I don't you know, think it,
0: that, that would breed some, some better
1: hands though, maybe. It, it would, but that's what I'm saying. And I'm not using that as an excuse. I doubt that is the reason, but you just kind of scratch your head trying to think what is going on.
0: And maybe, to be honest, Ryan, maybe we're nitpicking because it was well. We, we absolutely are because this was a, uh, <laughs> like, this is one of those things that I feel like the only thing you can take out of a Kansas game, out of a Missouri State game, like the only thing you can take out of it are negatives because everything that's done right, I feel like that's, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of meh. Like one thing that I thought everyone did right is I-, I thought the offensive line played really well, and that was with a lot of Swenson, a guy that we've been yeah. you know, pretty critical of. I-, I thought that they played a great game.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had, what, one holding penalty, I believe, and that was Ely in the first half. Took away a big play, but still, you know, I mean, solid, and you look at the, I think at one point in time, I know they were averaging, like, five yards a carry out of the running back core, and right. I, I thought that was the positive, and, you know, that offensive line, it's got the nasty back in them. Yeah, and it, it, means, it's coming along Even if Swinson's it. in there, they've got the nasty in there. It's... It's something I like seeing out of them. And that's why I like where this team's headed the rest. of the year.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that we saw that there's competition across that line. And that's only going to, you know, that's an area where I think it is. It is the competition has made them improve week to week. And I guess I just think that's one of those things that there's a lot of older guys in the room there to help people along. When you compare that to the wide receivers, I almost wonder if, you know Rambo being the only established older guy that's been established here at Oklahoma. You've got an Obi Obialo, you've got a Theo Howard. You kind of wonder if those guys maybe don't have as much weight as you know a Rambo would because they didn't do it here in Norman. And Rambo's just one dude. There's a gaggle of young bucks up there trying to uh, break through. You just wonder if maybe one other senior voice in that room would would be enough to to kind of help move that whole position group forward. And again. Sasser Sasser is nitpicking to the max right now, you know?
1: Yeah, we're looking for something extra to talk about because, let's be real, we've, we've got, what, three more podcasts before the OSU game? I mean... Two, I think, we two, yeah, after this okay. one. Well, and so we don't want to spend forever talking about that today because we're recapping the game. So, yeah, definitely nitpicking, but it's just something to look at because, you know, that that's kind of, that was... I'll say it. I think that may have been the one negative, and it was a very small, minor negative yesterday. Right. And so it's like, wow. And I think that shows, you know, we can talk about a couple of other things too involving the game. And you made light of it last uh, today when I saw you earlier before taping the podcast. Oh, our boy, Skip Bayless. Oh, boy. Tweeting out after the
0: Notre Dame game, you know, how good Notre Dame. Sorry, don't you mean the COVID fiesta. Oh, yeah, that, that too. The super spreader. Yes. Well, um,
1: but anyway, you know, he tweets out that Oklahoma may be, they're playing the best of anyone in the country right now. And I found that funny, and you and I were joking about it. I don't know if you've went back and watched the telecast yet from ESPN. Tom Luke and Bill said they're playing better than most top 10 teams right now. And well, I'm like, I... okay. I mean, and I'm not disagreeing, but.
0: The stretch of games hasn't been the toughest either. Yeah, I get that they're beating up on bad people. I think that playing better than some top 10 teams. Cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. This is what OU did in 2016. The, the problem is that they had a, a ramp of basically 12 games after the Ohio State game or, you know, something like that, something close to that. They They had a bunch of games after the Ohio State game to get back in it. This team's not going to have that runway. I don't feel like to to maybe make that case. But Skip Bayless being like, Notre Dame's not playing the best of the country right now. Alabama's not playing the best of the country right now. It's Oklahoma. When you have OU fans in your mentions just being like, hey, Sooner fan checking in. He does not speak for us. Please leave us out of this. Like (laughs) OU's just like, they lost their two games. They're just trying to be over here in the corner. They're like, hey, you'll see us in two weeks at Bedlam. Like That score will flash. If we win that game, we'll probably be playing in a Big 12 championship and maybe, you know, you know, get into a Cotton Bowl, something like that. Like, come check on us then. Like, I feel like OU fans have been like, we're over here just building for next year. Can you just leave us alone and let us play this season out? I know. I, I'm with you. And, and it's funny. And you know what? They go out and dominate Oklahoma
1: State. If something like that happens, it's a whole new conversation, depending on what's happened over the next two weeks in college football. But it's like, why would you even bring that up right now? It's a two-loss team. I mean, that's the dumbest statement because no two-loss team has ever made the playoffs.
0: I was about to say no two teams made the playoff, and that's in years where people played 12 games, 13 games before getting to a college football playoff. Right now, the ACC is hoping everyone plays 11, and that's the max. So you're telling me that in a shorter season, we're all of a sudden going to reward uh, more mediocrity win percentage wise. That doesn't uh, like... It never works out that way. I would be stunned if there's even a case for OU to make at the end of the season, unless it involves an Ohio State team that's only played five games or, you know, something just, you know, off the board like that.
1: And and that's where I'm saying that's the only way that would ever happen is whether it's a Big Ten or Pac-12 team being considered or COVID gets involved and some other schools have issues. And here's a team that's played 11 games, 12 games on the season. Well, I guess in Oklahoma's case, it would be eleven games, you know, or whoever from the Big Twelve. That's the only way. But but it's just funny to see that because I'm like, here's a man that normally rips Oklahoma. It seems like religiously, right? Saying that this year of all years, and it's like, what? you How drunk were you, Skip? What? How many martinis in?
0: Skip. what he's doing is randy is he knows they can't make the playoff and so he's trying to position himself before they reel off a bunch of wins and go to a big bowl game because even if oh if oh you say they go undefeated and somehow there's some whack like kansas state does kansas state things and runs the table and iowa state stays with two losses and uh k-state iowa state oh you all have two losses no use left out Like, I I think in that scenario, assuming OU still runs the table, like they're going to get a bid to a really big bowl game here. I think Skip's just trying to do some uh, take positioning so that he can be like, oh, look, I told you. And he can argue knowing that OU damn well isn't going to a college football playoff. Like, oh, they would have won a playoff game. It would have been different. Right. No,
1: I'm with you. But it was just funny that the whole thing was funny. We can get into bowl projections later on as well, you know, in another podcast, but the just the one. I'll mention this, and we don't have to go on. The one I'm dying for because I think it would be fun. It's in one of the projections right now: Cotton Bowl, Texas A&M. Give me all of that.
0: Yes. Give that, me all of that. That would be awesome. No, Johnny, or the Johnny Manziel revenge game. I, uh, Randy, I remember dry. Like we we got tickets the day of for that matchup the last time OU and a and played. Drove down. We're just like, okay, cool, whatever. The first half was fine. I remember in the second half watching who is my favorite sooner to ever play, uh, Tony Jefferson on the sideline. I was like, that dude's not coming back next year. And I'm mad about it. All because these group of idiots, these guys making Johnny manziel look half decent. I was just like, oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> I I need I just need that personally to exercise those demons out of my life. Well, I just want it because I hate A&M fans. They all think they have history
1: and tradition. I'm sorry. Your history is not walking on grass and dressing your band in army uniforms. You geeks. You and know, having,
0: I mean, having shitty engineering so your stadium moves back and forth. Exactly.
1: It's like, way to go. I mean, let's be real. When I've gone to A&M, I've taken my wheelchair and driven it across the grass and spun circles just for fun. Because the cult, I'm against the cult. I mean, I, I mean, we've got the idiot in Oklahoma City, Twelfth Man Dave. Yeah, I'll call him out. He probably doesn't listen. But I mean, let's be real. Everything is great, and he finds a way to justify everything for AM based on the SEC. I've never I mean, seen a more, I've never seen a more average program in the world. Brag on everything else. Every other team in the conference does, but they contribute nothing to. And that's a program as a whole. It just blows my mind.
0: I'm not going to lie. I kind of envy it because like all a m did was make it that much easier for LSU and Alabama to, to walk into the state of Texas and recruit and say, see, we'll play one game here and one game in Louisiana and you're close enough to home, stuff like that. But you kind of have to envy those programs that uh, I, I would like to see. Oh, who do you want to pick on? I'd like to see Texas. No, because Texas Tech brings you basketball. Like, what is a program that brings nothing to the Big Twelve right now? Is it Kansas State? Kansas State doesn't really bring anything. I Kansas State. Iowa State. I mean,
1: well, Iowa State. You know, Hill Magic
0: can kind of be a thing. Kansas State. It's been down a little bit. I'd love to see Kansas State just be like Kansas basketball. We are the best basketball ever. You've got OU football. We're the best OU. F- where the best football. Like, I just like to see them take that mantle to be the SEC school of the Big 12 and just be like, I don't care. We're going off. Every time OU wins the gymnastics title, bang a banner in the octagon.
1: I know. I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I could go off on a and fans all day long. So I'm praying that happens.
0: No, I, I, because, like, and, I would like that. And, and we I'll can have a up, whole
1: month of it. Exactly. Because I'll, I'll say this. I'll give it up to a They're a top 10 team right now. They look pretty solid. Let's see what happens when they play one of the better teams from the SEC.
0: Well, their big win against Florida looks a bit better. It It does. It looks better. South Carolina is is doo-doo. Florida went and uh, they did very mean things to Georgia at that cocktail party. But I
1: will say this about Georgia this year. I'm sorry. I think them and Kansas have a lot in common this year in one area. They don't have a quarterback.
0: Well, have you heard – I don't know if you're aware, Randy, but Justin Fields at one point was on campus in Athens. I don't know if. Is that that it, guy at Ohio State? I th- I think so. The The Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah. Uh. Oops. Yeah. Can you imagine I mean, being a Georgia fan watching any Georgia broadcast? Like, even when they're winning, they're like, well, the quarterback play has been up and down, and let's watch Justin Fields. And wait, even though, I and I know he beat Oklahoma. Who did they keep instead of
1: going to Justin Fields? I think it's a dude that works at State Farm. Yeah. Hey, Jake, how you doing? (laughs) He got fired, by the way. Which I never understood. People were telling me he was going to be an NFL quarterback. And I watched Jake Fromm going, yeah, this guy's average at best. You know. Look,
0: guys, again, I know that you lost the Rose Bowl, but CeeDee Lamb's passing was more accurate in the first half of that game than Jake Fromm. I mean, I just, I I never got it.
1: And when you found out, wait, you have Justin Fields going to go say bye-bye or Jake Fromm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hello, Jake, you may want to find a new job. Uh,
0: I'm going to see you later, buddy. Yeah, it was a uh, puzzling maneuver by Kirby Smart. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Just because you have smart in your name doesn't mean you always do it. But uh, one other thing here before we get out of it, Go, going back to Kansas. I know that people were kind of poking fun at the Jayhawks, but I was talking to one of my friends after the game um, specifically about, you know, going forward on fourth downs um, when you're deep in your own territory, things like that. And it, what he said made a lot of sense. He was like, "Actually, I really like for Kansas and Les Miles what he's doing there because it's a team that's rolling out a ton of freshmen, and mm-hmm. and they're just trying to build the program back. Something else, so they're trying to give a little bit of spunk, a little bit of stuff like that. Yeah, you're not going to execute that as freshmen against Oklahoma, but like I know a lot of people were criticizing him. Going, what is he doing? All this stuff. Like I get it. Like it's obvious that Les Miles was not brought in to be a quick fix. He's going to be a guy that." It is there for three or four years and is trying to restore some legitimacy to Kansas just as a football program. Now, when that team gets there, will he be the coach or will he be handed off to somebody else? That's to be determined. But I don't have a problem with Les Miles going forward on fourth downs, things like that. Because like we said, OU is trying some stuff in their passing game to kind of put it on tape for for their next game up. Kansas is trying to build a program for the next four years. And, And I don't mind putting your young guys in that situation, even if the game's out of hand.
1: No, I'm fully in agreement with you on that because that's what a lot of what he did reminded me of, hey, guys, we're not at five wins. We're not trying to get to that sixth win for a bowl game, or we're not even going to be considering, granted, I know that doesn't matter this year, but, you know, we're not in any position where really anything we do other than getting better matters, and they're taking advantage of this year because that's the other thing everyone's got to remember. If there's a school that's going to benefit from COVID, yeah, it's going to be all the ones with superior talent. But schools like Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, you know, all the big Power Five schools that are highly ranked and really talented, they're dealing with a lot of kids. That are going to play two, three years and turn pro. He's playing what is it, seventeen freshmen, I think, this year. He's got a huge sophomore class, and then there's a redshirt freshman class. You know, it's all young guys. And Kansas, out of all those guys, what they may have one that may turn pro early, right? you know, that those are all guys, they're going to benefit from the COVID year. They're yeah. a school that's going, hey, other than it's a pandemic and it's horrible for the world, but as far as for our football program, this isn't bad because we're going to get all these guys to get a year of experience. And technically, it's not going to count against their future. So I could see them being a solid team, even with saying that this is literally the worst Kansas team I've seen in years.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that they took a step backward this year so that they could take oh, no, two or I, three I, steps forward. Sorry,
1: I, I don't think they took it. If they took a step backward, Ryan, they must have been standing on the ledge of the Grand Canyon. Well and falling in. Because well, oh, like, man.
0: it's one of those things that I, you know, it's weird to say that for a Kansas team, but like you said, this th- like Kansas has played a lot of bad football over the last decade, and this might be the worst of it. But at least you can go back with your head with your hat in your hand and say, at least we're playing those freshmen. And this is a program, Randy, that that it was talked about after Beatty was fired that they had trouble meeting like the scholarship limit. Like they had mm-hmm. extra scholarships floating around because they just couldn't like they couldn't keep guys there. And it wasn't because they were going to the league. Like it was just it was just a problem. So instead of doing the quick fix, patchwork <laughs> junior college thing, which Again, we saw you know Bill Snyder have a ton of success with that. Like that can be a a pathway to to having a, a program that you can sustain. That Kansas hasn't done that though, and so you know um, I'm not as low on that as everyone else is. Like I get it. It's one of those things that uh, look I, even if they're bringing back a bunch of guys that aren't aren't that great, you're you're gonna have an experienced team here in two or three years, and that's more than Kansas can say over the last decade because ever since they fired Mangino, it's just been disaster after disaster. New guy coming in every two or three years, running the old guys off. It's just not been a great situation.
1: No doubt. I mean, and if you don't think they're truly getting better talent, they're not getting top 15, top 20 recruiting classes, but Kansas is 41th in recruiting right now. Right. Oklahoma State is 45th in recruiting. And that isn't a dig at Oklahoma State, but I'm just saying, look what Coach Gundy's been able to do with pretty much recruiting in that level of talent. Right, which has some good players in it, as long as you develop these kids. And that's why I say, in a way, this is like a bonanza year for Kansas. Gives them another year to develop some of these kids and see if they can't pull a James Washington out of there, out of a receiving core. You know, a Rodriguez like Oklahoma State has a linebacker, not the highest-rated kid, but guess what? Playing pretty good for the Cowboys right now. So that's, I think, when you look at Les Miles in Kansas, where you go, hey, it's a rough year, and – Yeah, I mean, I still say they backed off the Grand Canyon ledge, but they could quickly climb up that ledge next year if all these guys grow up. And, I mean, Daniel, for instance, decides to enroll this year because why? Oh, I can get that year back. And he's getting all these snaps. They may look like crap, but how many snaps is he getting against Big 12 opponents? For sure. It's only going to make him better.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, maybe one day these Jayhawks, this ragtag group of, group of guys can aspire to in two or three years, maybe they'll actually steal a conference game on the road and in that like decades long streak where they've lost like 50 something straight road conference games.
1: That's <laughs> oh, it's so sad. It, it's High, sad. Hopes.
0: High hopes for the Jayhawks.
1: I, I just want them to get to the level when you go into a game
0: against Kansas, you're not going, huh,
1: Kansas, what are we going to talk about?
0: We're going to talk about everything but the Jayhawks and the Sooners, like we've done for almost an hour here, Randy. Um, Any more thoughts, real quick, from the college football weekend before we head on into the bye week? A big bye week, of course. Bye weeks are always a little sweeter when you got a nice matchup on the other side of it, like Bedlam. But a bye week nonetheless.
1: I do have a thought because I was hoping we were going to get into this. We jokingly ripped the Big Twelve officiating for reviews. Let me tell you, the ACC conference. Has a zero to write home about. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad all I mean, that fourth quarter, I was like, I mean, it's been a long day. I've been in Norman. I get home at 8.30, 9 o'clock last night, and I'm like, I, I'm going to watch the end of the game, and then I'm going to try to get to sleep. I'm just like, holy crap, this fourth quarter is 45 minutes, and that was from the seven-minute mark. And when both coaches are just
0: looking like incredible, yeah well, what yeah. are we what are we reviewing? Why are we reviewing this? All of this was stupid, yeah, and then not only that, I'll give you
1: this. their officiating was horrible. How about the pass interference call that they throw the flag on because the Clemson guy clearly goes through him, yeah, and then Dabo throws a fit, and all of a sudden, no, no pass interference, I'm like, all right it i at that point, I was thankful they didn't have. Pass interference review in college. I mean, it was hey, just
0: brutal. Hey, Dabo's convincing over there, man. He'll he'll get those referees playing to a high level. He's not great with the X's and O's, but he can get that call back, and he can motivate the hell out of a football team. I
1: I don't know. That that was kind of maybe my biggest takeaway from the weekend because that was the biggest game. But I'm just like, oh my god, you're on national TV. Plus, guys, Chappelle's on Saturday Night Live. No, I was, you heard this say, up? I
0: was about to say that was the worst part. So first off, the game gets bumped for the president-elect to give his speech, which, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, Annoying, because shout-out to everyone for waiting until, like, college football is just gearing to kick off. They're like, oh, we're going to call the election. So first off, Texas and West Virginia couldn't find the first quarter of that shit show because ABC was going wall-to-wall, super spreader parties, and, you know, uh, just showing crowd shots of people celebrating, not, not you know, seeing anyone speak, nothing like that, anyway, Uh, So Texas Texas and and West Virginia gets moved. Uh, Then we we miss uh, time in the middle of Notre Mm Dame-Clemson. We're finally through all that stuff. And we're like, okay, all the political stuff from this week is done. Everyone's either happy or sad, but we're over it. We just want to watch Dave Chappelle on SNL. And the ACC officials said, no, sir, we are going to review the hell out of every play. And then Clemson and Notre dame can't get their shit together to decide this game in regulation, knowing damn well that it's not going to matter because they're going to play in the ACC championship game. And whoever lost it, the committee's going to be like, oh, they're going to pass. So it doesn't matter. They decide, oh, we're going to go into overtime. And and then we got to wait on our good friend Dylan Buckingham to uh, read his highlights before he sends us sends into I, I Oh, my gosh. Saturday would never I, end.
1: I was just glad because I decided after being outside at the game all day, I was going to take a shower. So I was like, and I'll be honest, hate watching live TV. So I DVR anything, right? So I'm like, I had no idea. I just went into my Saturday Night Live when I realized when I looked flipping through the channel, I was like, oh, I'm recording the Notre Dame you know, and I realized, oh crap, no, Saturday Night Live's supposed to be on. I set it for three hours longer before it stopped because I'm like, God knows when this game is going to end.
0: Yeah, it disaster, disaster. Which, by disaster. the way,
1: DJ for Clemson, legit. He's a really good quarterback.
0: Yeah, he's dope. I I think that, uh, you know, injuries on that defense along that that uh, offensive line uh, really, really hampered the Tigers. And they still, you know, put up a bunch of points that Notre Dame front like Notre Dame. It's a team that I always point and laugh at because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I haven't been sentient, a a sentient football fan when they've actually been good enough to win a national championship. Uh, If We want to talk about what they did in the year that they got just goosed by Alabama. Sure. Fine. Whatever. But other than that, and in their, you know, phony trip to the playoff a few years back, like Notre Dame's just been eh. I, I don't remember them winning a huge game outside of Norman in my lifetime. And that was a really, you know, awesome performance, especially by their defensive line. So, you know, got to give it up to the Irish, a team that I like to point and laugh at a bunch.
1: Brent Van is defense's return.
0: <laughs> and that all the sooner fans are going, that's why we ran him out of town. Look at it. That's what we you know, saw.
1: Hey, and I'll say this. I I got to know Brent pretty well in Norman. And, you know, the, the biggest difference, I think, because he's doing, it seems like some of the things he did at Oklahoma that he's able to get away with at Clemson, he's got better talent. Right. From top to bottom, you know? Yeah. Even though I will say both his sons playing on that defense. Okay.
0: Oh, my, uh, so the, the fun story of uh, brushing shoulders with uh, greatness or whatever, you know, um my sister she would play she played on um kale gundy his daughter's softball team like my sister and and you know kale gundy's uh sure. daughter same age they play on the softball team gundy uh we we practice because i was always having to run keely to practice um we practiced right next door to the venables house and one day uh, my sister was always just incredibly fast kale walks over to brent's house and says "Hey, hey hey bring me i don't know I don't know which one of them it was. Whichever Venables is about as old as my sister. I, I want him to race my sister because because she- she's just incredibly fast or whatever. And my sister opens it up and is out in front. And he just, like, pushes her down. And then <laughs> Brent just gets out there and rips him a new one up and down and up and down. And Kale's like, hold on now. Hold on now. Keely." If you had been behind, would you have pushed him down? And she's like, Yes. And he's like, See, they both would have done it. They're just competitive. It is what it is. So that's always what, uh, when uh, the Venables are out there on the field, my so sister was like, Hey, that's the one I raced. And uh, he pushed me over politely.
1: Yeah, that was a subtle dig, but I can honestly tell you, love Burnt Venables. You know, kind of one of those who should showing him in here, but it was kind of funny seeing the Clemson
0: defense doing a lot of the same things. You know, <laughs> it was. Uh... Uh, I'm sure anyone that was thinking about it was like this Ian book guy. He's not very mobile and he keeps picking up first downs on the ground with his feet. What is happening? These mobile quarterbacks are going to be the death of me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's I walked out, I walked out. But I, I just had to go off at the ACC officials. Cause I was like, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. It, ACC officials hate Dave Chappelle and the Foo Fighters confirmed, but uh, hopefully we get all that wrapped up. Uh, no game next week, obviously, for the Sooners or the Cowboys as they're on a bye ahead of that huge bedlam matchup. We've still got shows, though. Got a big show this week. Hopefully, we'll have another very special guest along. Stay tuned for that. And then next week, uh, you know, obviously this weekend, there is no post-game, so no post-game pod. Next week we'll have our official OU OSU preview and what could be a massive game for Big 12 title implications. If the Sooners can get a win there. And if Iowa State takes care of business against Kansas State, we will be on track for a Sooners Cyclones rematch in Arlington. So it should be a lot of fun, Randy.
1: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And I think these next few podcasts will, will diversify a little,
0: you know, diversify your college
1: football. Yeah, I mean, we'll have some fun. I think it should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it for the next week or so. and We'll let you know on the guest. Could yeah. be a good one.
0: For sure. For sure. And, and you know, later this week, we are slated as of right now to speak with the OU basketball team, if they hold true to the schedule that's been going on. So this will be the first time we've got to speak to them um, since the unfortunate passing of coach Billy Tubbs, which what day are we on, on the hashtag uh, coach Tubbs court uh, campaign it's day 10, day
1: 10 today. All yeah, right. I just going to reach. We on. Got a little tweet back from Stacy King on the one the
0: other day. Well, there you go. Look, that's that's what we yeah, need. We so we need Build the momentum. Alumni the momentum. to get it rolling. Yeah, we've hit double digits, so we're it's just the beginning and it won't stop until Billy Tubbs's signature is on that court.
1: And even if it happens, I'm gonna take credit for it. I you mean should. when it happens, because I know should. it's gonna it's, happen, regardless if I had anything
0: to do with it or not. It started on Twitter and it came exactly. here. And we are going to be the champions of it because we have to champion something. And all of our other ideas were shit. And this
1: is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And let us know if you have another idea besides for a hashtag besides Billy Tubbs Court. Something creative to really yes. get the juices from.
0: Yes. At RJ Heights one zero seven seven at Radios Ryan at Highball Network. Any of those three, hit us up, and we will uh, be happy to listen. And we're sorry, but uh, no royalties. No royalties for you. Anyway, that's all we can talk about. Look, Randy, we hit almost an hour. It's OU Kansas. Big win. Celebrate, I guess.
1: That's right. All right.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Okay. Anyway, we'll talk to you later this week. Bye.